On today's show, Houston Rockets real or fake? We'll take a look at things like Ime Odoka's coaching, Alperin Shingun's chances at making an all-star team this season, Jalen Green's inconsistent play, his splits road versus home, Jabari Smith's defense, and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. Oh! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code Locked on NBA for $20 off of your first purchase. And as always... Thank you so much for making Lockdown Rockets part of your day every single day. Thank you for being an everydayer, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben DuBose. You can track down on Twitter or X at Ben DuBose. Here for... A very fun game of real or fake Houston Rockets edition where we're going to take a look at some of the things that we've learned about this Rockets team so far through not quite a quarter, you know, way through the season because the Rockets have played fewer games than any other NBA team so far this year due to some weird scheduling quirks because of the in-season tournament stuff and whatnot. But Ben, do you are you ready to dive into our, our game of real or fake today? Let's do it. Unfortunately, the schedule is not fake. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, the, the schedule is very real, unfortunately. Um, and that might actually be a, a precursor to one of our, our real or fake questions a little bit further down the line. But first things up, let's go with Ime Udoka's coaching so far to this point through what we know about him, his identity, what he's done with this Rockets team through almost a quarter way point of the season. Real or fake so far? Definitely real. Jackson, I'll start the discussion with this. Could you imagine Steven Silas calling LeBron James a soft-ass boy? <laughs> Not a chance in hell. I mean, come on. That's exactly what this Rockets team needs, though. And Dylan Brooks said it at Monday's practice at Toyota Center. When you're trying to revamp the culture and promote this hard-nosed edge, sure, wins and losses are a big part of it, but it's also how you play each and every game and how you approach practices. It's an overall vibe from day to day. It's a different mentality. And Ime has clearly brought that. And even with the road struggles, a lot of that is related to the aforementioned schedule. Even though they've lost three in a row and now they're eight and nine, look, take a step back. This is a team that was last or tied for last in the Western Conference each of the last three years. Now you're approaching the 20 game mark and you're still hovering around 500. That is clear progress. The defense, even though it's taken a few steps back in recent games for the season as a whole, it's still very, very good. It's hard not to like what Ime Udoka has done this season, even if the last few games haven't gone the way we wanted. Yeah, and I think one thing that's really refreshing about Ime, too, is he really doesn't 
he doesn't give you BS answers. He calls it how he mm-hmm. sees it, right? He is going to, he's not going to pull any punches. He will call out players for effort. Now he's, he doesn't like walk up to the podium and say, Jalen did this or Dylan mm-hmm. did this or whatever, but he very specifically highlights moments throughout a game. Like this most recent loss against the Lakers. He highlighted the fact that they had a lack of attention to detail and some careless turnovers. And those were very clearly like not shots taken at, but it was calling out Guys oh. like Jalen and even to a lesser degree, Fred Van Vliet and, and Jeff Green, who had some really uncharacteristic turnovers in that loss against the Lakers. So he sets this high level of expectations for this group. And I think what you're seeing, that little interaction with LeBron, whatever you want to call it, the altercation, um, you know, him sizing him up on the sideline. And it, it really was an embodiment of what he's done for this group, right? They're not going to back down to anybody. And I do think that Ime takes a sense of like pride in, in growing and nurturing this group. And he wanted to protect his guys, right? Tari, like Cam Reddish was trying to start something with Tari Eason. You saw Ime hand on Tari's shoulder, calling the (laughs) Lakers out for, for, you know, bunch of B words and all this, that, and the other thing. And that's what LeBron took exception to. I love that mentality. I love that. The the fact that he's like, no, we're a team. We're sticking together and I'm not going to sit here and stand by. Well, you guys try to punk our guys. That's not who, that's not who I am. And that's not what we're about. And it makes for organizational alignment because you go back to the offseason and you see the guys they brought in, Fred Van Fleet, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green. That fits perfectly with who they are as players and as people. And so if you want this to work, a market like Houston, which is a good market, but it's not the Lakers, it's not the Warriors, you really need alignment from the top down and a strategy because it's probably unlikely that you're ever going to be able to fully out-talent people in this puzzle they're trying to put together in terms of their path to contention a few years from now. You need to have good chemistry. You need to have everyone sort of pulling in the same direction. And so the fact that the coach reflects the types of players they brought in this offseason and the reverse, that makes it all the more likely down the line that the Rockets are ultimately able to put together a roster in the coming years that can get to that contending level we all want. You know, my one of my few gripes that I have about Ime Udoka to this point, and we'll, we'll turn it into a, a quickie here on the fly. Uh, real or fake, Ime Udoka knows how to use challenges. Ooh, <laughs> fake. Fake. It's fake, man. I don't know what it is. There, there are so many moments over the course of the game where, like, we know this Rockets coaching staff operates like a well-oiled machine. They've got guys real-time breaking down film and running to him and telling him, okay, this is what they're running, and then he makes adjustments on the fly. And for some reason, they can't figure out the challenge thing. You know like, what? They're so bad at it. You know what's also fake? Alperin Shingun's usage of a challenge. Because you see, any time <laughs> during a game that there's a controversial call, Alp does it every time. And sometimes he's right. But I just want to tell him, look, you have one challenge. You have to pick your spots. And some of them, you know, coaches have gotten smarter. Like, you've got to use your challenge in, like, the highest leverage potential spot in terms of either flipping the game or the potential reward. If it's a situation where, yeah, it's a shaky call, but maybe there's no free throws and it's not like you would have clearly gotten possession, it's just not worth it, even if you do win. So, yeah. I'll give all P a fake as well because I'm no, like, but see, you- but see, that's where I, I disagree with you there, Ben, because, I, because okay. you get the, you get the challenge back, right? So if it's a slam dunk challenge, like if it's, if you're, and okay. there, have been, there have been a few of those calls, right? Where we're looking at, we're like, we can see it on the replay or you well, can see it on the jumbotron. Okay. If it's, if it is a hundred percent. Yeah. I should clarify because a lot of these are 95%. It's like, well, even the 5% that they say, oh, it stands. Cause we don't have enough evidence. That's yeah. often a cop out they use. For but sure. yeah, if it truly is a hundred percent, then yeah. And that's the weird thing is I feel like we've seen Ime and his coaches have be a little 
little gun shy on pulling the trigger on a challenge like in you know the first or the second quarter of a game or early on when it's like oh that's a slam dunk like you get that one overturn the call and you still get one back to save for the end of the game for like a and, crucial late game play and i will say in fairness to both ime and all p the rockets have absolutely gotten the short end of the officiating oh. stick a lot this season especially on the road that's what dylan brooks was saying at Monday's practice regarding the Ime and LeBron incident and the things that led up to that. So in fairness to them, there has been a lot of bad officiating for the Rockets to sort of navigate their challenges through. I'm so proud of you, Ben. You know what we call that? We call that growth because you could sit here and have a tirade about the officials because let's let's be honest, they've been they've been godforsaken horrible yeah. against the Rockets for so many let's, of the games this yeah. season. Let's move on. It yeah. is all right, it is. all right, we'll move on. We'll keep our game of real or fake going. Coming up, we've got Alperin Shingoon and his all-star campaign this season. Jalen Green's uh, inconsistency, Jabari Smith Jr.'s defense, and a few more topics coming up here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins, and all you have to do is wager $5. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. Right now, we can take a look at night two of NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals action with the New York Knicks at plus 168 to win on the road against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are minus 200 favorites in their quarterfinals matchup. And then elsewhere... Uh, on, on night two of the in-season tournament action, we've got the Phoenix Suns plus 106 to win on the road against the LA Lakers, who are minus 124 favorites. They've also got spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more that you've got to go check out. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started this NBA season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast, home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Continuing our edition of Rockets, real or fake. And next on our stop is Alperin Shingun, who, Ben, he has been absolutely spectacular this season. He's putting up, he's leading the team in points, he's leading the team in rebounds. His his usage is up. His touches are up. Ime has his talked about- His crunch time play is up. Yeah, every, everything, right? He, he, he's becoming that him we referenced a few weeks ago. There you go. He's basically, he's the, he's more or less the engine of this Rockets team. Now, he's not a solo engine, right? It's it's him in the two-man game with Fred Van Vliet that kind of stirs the drink that is the Rockets mm -hmm. offense. And, and it, ideally Jalen as well, but yeah. Exactly, but- for him, our, our real or fake question here is his all-star campaign. Can, can he be an all, or can Alperin Shingun be an all-star this season? Or will he be an all-star this season? Real or fake? Go. If we're strictly saying campaign real, I'm still skeptical that he actually gets the honor because there are so many mainstays out there, so many veterans, and there's just not a lot of spots in the front court. Now, one way I will sort of try and hedge on this is that you do oftentimes see injury withdrawals. So I could see him being a fill-in, but to actually get in the initial 12, even though they consider it front court now and not just centers, which will help him, it's very steep when you're not a brand name, which he's not yet, and the team is not a true contender. With that said, the reason I think he'll be in the conversation. So the Rockets are 8-9 right now, but even at 8-9, the Rockets are still a story. Just the fact the Rockets are hovering around 500 is big news for one of the NBA's bigger markets that struggled mightily the last three years. The NBA really wants to showcase what the Rockets have done because it really reflects well on, you know, trying to compete, not tanking, all those types of things. And so we're seeing growth from the Rockets of the team. The NBA wants to highlight that. And the big question is, will that continue over the next few weeks to the point where 
December, January, the Rockets are still being viewed as viable as a potential playoff team. I actually think it will because the Rockets play 12 of their next 17 games at Toyota Center, and we know how good they are at home, 8-1. and one. So if the Rockets are competitive, there's going to be sort of a push nationally to recognize this team. And clearly right now, their best player, the only guy that's going to get all-star consideration is Alperen Shingun. So by default of if the Rockets are good enough to where nationally people want to talk about this team, there's going to be a desire to reward someone individually. Obviously, Ime as a coach can get that, but I think they're going to want to reward someone on the roster as well. All P is that guy. So I'm going to say if we're talking about the campaign real. I agree with your sentiment there. And I, I thought I was going to be the the stick in the mud here to say to say fake because, I, again, I wanted to point out right it's it's less about the campaign is very real you're seeing you're seeing LP get this push from you know a yeah. lot of guys are really starting to talk about him right he just Zach did the, the podcast P show he's got a lot of support from you know national guys like Zach Lowe like you mentioned a bunch of other guys are talking about him. he's got guys like Kevin Garnett saying he'd rather see Alper and Shingoon play you know well sit down with a game and order some takeout and uh you know bring it back home and watch LP play than then go to James Harden's restaurant in Houston so James Harden catching a bit of a stray there from Kevin Garnett but Basically, people are talking more about the Rockets, right? They're talking more about the Rockets. And when you talk about the Rockets, you have to talk about Alper and Shingun. So I do think the campaign is very real. The numbers are there. But then when you start to look at the number of bigs that are out there that are going to be in in kind of contention for some of those front court spots, I know they've eliminated, right? It's no longer a center-only position. It's, it's front court for the all-star voting. Mm-hmm. But... Even still, you look at the number of centers who probably have a bit of a narrative advantage ahead of him this season. You're going to have the mainstays, right? Jokic, Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert both have strong arguments with as well as the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing. There's always Bam Adebayo. Then there's DeMontis Sabonis. There are a lot of bigs who are probably maybe not necessarily on an individual, like in a vacuum skill level ahead of Alpi, but they, their teams are better or they're putting up, you know, arguably better stat lines, whatever. It's it's going to be tough for Alpi to make it to an all-star game this year, although he's very much, he's very it's, clearly on track to make it yeah, happen. He'll be in the conversation and I will say it's arbitrary, but I do think are the Rockets above 500 is going to be a key variable. Yeah. If the narrative is out there that the Rockets are a winning team, then there's going to be a bigger push to reward those guys. Whereas even if they're better than last year, if it's still a losing team, if they're still outside of the playoffs slash play-in mix, then it's sort of like it's a cute story, but it's not enough to propel him to, you know, the top 12, so to speak, on one of these teams. So that's going to be the real challenge for him. It's not just about the numbers he puts up and what he does individually, but how well is it correlated with the Rockets' success as a team. Hopefully it is. Again, 12 and next 17 at home, but very much to be determined. All right, next on our list here of Rockets, real or fake, Jalen Green's inconsistency. Do we think this is who he is as a player? Does, I mean, you know, I know we've we've talked about this before, ad nauseum at this point, about this year being a year where they need to give the young guys time to grow, to get acclimated to a new system, to get accustomed to trying to play winning basketball for the first time and, you know, in their NBA careers for guys like Jalen and, and Alpi after their first two years with Steven Silas. But... From what we know about him so far as a player, do we think that this is who Jalen Green is? So is it real or is it fake? I hate being negative, but I'm going to say real. Just because until he consistently does it on the road, I'm not going to buy in. It's not like this start. You know, we talk about the team as a whole has had a rough schedule. But if you go back to the first two years, Jalen had these same types of splits when we talk about home versus road. And with this particular team, you know, in fairness to Jalen, It's a lot to ask of him. 
because when the Rockets went this route with defense and culture, we talked about adding Fred VanVleet, Dylan Brooks, not going after a James Harden, Kyrie Irving type in the offseason, then really it sort of thrust Jalen into this role as the most dynamic perimeter creator. And that's really difficult late in games, or even if all P is your best player, sometimes it's tough to really initiate offense through your big men down the stretch, especially on the road where you're not getting as friendly of a whistle and it's more likely that opposing teams can take you out of what you want to do. So in fairness to Jalen, it's a rough position to learn that primary creator role, which the Rockets basically made him into by default by not going after one of the big scorers in the offseason. So it is difficult for him and some of his contemporaries. You know, the models we talked about, the Donovan Mitchell types in the past haven't really taken a huge leap until you get into year four, year five. Same can be said for Devin Booker, Zach Levine, and so on and so forth. So I guess the positive for Jalen, I'll say it doesn't have to happen this year. It can happen next year. There's still time for him, and some of it is because the, of the role the Rockets have put him in and the lack of alternatives. But to get back to the point, I'm going to say real just because until he shows it to me, it, it's going to be tough for me to buy in fully. I, and I, as much as it pains me, because again, I so much so, and I, I feel like you probably share the same sentiment, Ben. I know I feel this way, and I feel like there are a lot of Rockets fans that feel this way. I want Jalen Green to work out so badly, like I, I because he is. He's the first piece of the Rockets rebuild, right? The number two overall yep. pick, the first like real tangible, you know, thing that you got from being a bad team for that entire, the, the, the awful year where they lost 20 straight games and Christian Wood and all, all that mess that first season. So I want him to hit so bad. I want yep. him to be a player that can be a part of this Rockets team when they're next, you know, competing in the play. And he, he doesn't have to be the best guy on the team. He doesn't even have to be the second or third best guy on the team. I just want him to be a part of the team. I want him to be a consistent part of this Houston Rockets winning basketball culture. And he's trying. He's talked about it when he's at, been asked about it postgame. He's still learning. He's still adjusting. It, and it works when he's at home. And I just don't know why there's such a, a stark difference between his ability to play at home versus his ability to play on the road. Yeah. This is a common trend for a lot of young guys where they do struggle on the road. But I think uh, Frank pointed this out over either on Twitter or on Rockets Chop Shop, but this is kind of an element of like, he, he's playing like a role player, right? Role players tend to thrive at home and struggle on the road to yeah. have that star quantity to that star quality about you as a player. You have to be able to bring it at some level on the road. You can't just bring it when you're at home and then completely disappear Agreed. or even be a net negative when you're on the road, which is kind of what's happening for Jalen. And that's, what's been so frustrating where it's yeah. not just a, Oh, it's a rough five, 10 game start of the season. We're almost a quarter of the way into the year. Like this is kind of who we he are. is so far this season. Yeah. And one thing I'll say real quickly to bring our conversation full circle, I do think Ime Udoka and the culture he's trying to set is ideal for Jalen. If anyone can kick those habits, I think Ime is the guy. Because a lot of this isn't mental. It's not X's and O's. It's not tactical. Uh, or, or it's not physical, I should say. It's mental. And with Jalen, we've seen it time after time. We're on the road. You're less likely to get a friendly whistle. The crowd's going against you. And it just feels like when there's one turnover, like late in the Dallas game, it's not just the one mistake. It's that he then goes into a bit of a shell, it feels like. And it's tough for him to break out on the fly. Whereas at home, it's easier to find that positive reinforcement. So it does go into that sort of mental toughness that Ime is trying to build with this team. And so while the issue is real, because again, it's not just one year, we've seen the same trends the last two years. At the same time, if any coach can slowly sort of break him out of that, Ime Udoka, I think, is that coach. 
Again, the, the splits for Jalen after this most recent loss for the Rockets at home, he's averaging 22 points on 58% true shooting, which is phenomenal. That's the, for a year three player. That is, yep. it, those are incredible numbers. And then on the road, unfortunately, he's averaging just 15 and a half points on just a hair under 50 percent true shooting so the efficiency basically plummets when he's on the road at this point in time and, and then you know it's it's just been rough for Jalen I want him to figure it out so bad I hope he can figure it out and I hope that you know Eme is able to unlock the consistent version of Jalen Green but as it stands right now we're both in agreement we're going to say the inconsistency is very real it doesn't Maybe mean that the it's permanent yeah Maybe the Rockets need to bring in Ryan Anderson as a life coach for Jalen Green. Remember Road Rhino? If anyone hey, can bring out the road version of, uh, or the optimal road version, Ryan Anderson is that guy. Thank God Rhino didn't have to play on that in-season tournament court. I swear to God, there'd be concussions and CTE happening left, right, and center in the Rockets <laughs> audience. Um, coming up, we've got our remaining real or fake questions in our final segment here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event or your next night out, right? You're, you don't want to be stressed about how you're going to get the tickets and which app you're going to. It's a mess, right? And sometimes, let's be honest, it can be kind of a headache. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events happening near you. They've got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive at their venue. Plus, they've got their best price guaranteed. GameTime is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They've got deals right up to the start of these events. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals for all kinds of ticketing packages, whether it's just you and like a significant other or you and a group of friends. They've got so much. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase they've got the all-in prices and they show you your total upfront, so you don't get like all those surprise tacked on fees at the end which is so frustrating right you go through the process and then you wind up paying more in fees than you do for the actual tickets to the event so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for 20 dollars off of your first purchase again that's code locked on nba for 20 20 dollars off of your first purchase just create an account and redeem code locked on nba that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-m-b-a for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's continue our game of real or fake here on today's episode. Next up, Jabari Smith Jr.'s defense. Been real or fake? Real. I, I trust his ability. It's just, for me, so much of defense is not just about the tools. I mean, yes, you do need to have... A, a certain amount of length and athleticism, but a lot of it comes down to tenacity. And for me, he has gotten better. It's not perfect. We know the weaknesses he has, especially right at the rim. But when you combine his body, his frame with the IQ, with the work ethic, it's a work in progress for sure. But I really trust his ability to do it because unlike, you know, we're talking about Jalen Green, a lot of the issues on offense, you know, it's a bit more complex in terms of putting it together defensively, a lot of it comes down to just how hard are you willing to work? How much are you willing to be diligent in your film study and everything that goes with that? And so with Jabari, it's inconsistent now. The rim protection needs to get better. But I'm going to say real simply because 
I think a lot of defense is effort, and I trust Jabari over the weeks, months, and years to put in that effort. I think there's a real argument made that, you know, especially over this last stretch of like five to ten games, that he's actually been the Rockets' like second or third best defender at times when he's out there because of his switchability. And what's really, you know, I know that there's moments where he gets kind of bullied or bodied down low, either, you know, when he's boxing out for a rebound or trying to deal with some of the bigger bodied players that he has to deal with on switches or like, you know, guarding guys like an Anthony Davis type or whatever right up against the rim. But... What's really stood out is his ability to guard on the perimeter, right? His he's yes, moving yes. his feet so much better this season. He's lower. He's in a defensive stance. He's talked before about his core training that he did in the offseason, doing the yoga work, all of that, being able to get lower, you know, kind of lowering his center of gravity defensively. And I think that's why we're seeing him have success guarding guys like a James Harden or a Kawhi Leonard or a LeBron James out there on the perimeter. Cause to me, I was never worried about He's got the body to like fill out, like give him two or three more years in an NBA strength and conditioning program. And he's not going to get bullied down low like that, that. I'm not worried about that. And then there are moments where it is maybe a bit of an effort thing. Like you got to do the dirty work early on, be in your spot early to box out, to, to get a good, you know, get a good, um, yeah, you know, get a good, get good leverage on a post up. He's or whatever, still a little like slow on rotation sometimes. But again, the, the big thing for me with Jabari is just the week on week growth. Yeah. That typically speaks to, how diligent a guy is in his preparation, his coachability. And those are the types of things, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that make me pretty bullish that long-term he's going to be very good. All right, next one. Dylan Brooks's unselfish play. This is a tricky one. Real or fake? I'm going to say, oh, this is tough. You want me to go first on this one? No, I'll go first. I'll take the lumps. I'm going to say fake. Okay. Uh, not that I'm expecting him to go full-blown Memphis Dylan Brooks, but he's the guy I worry most about that. Like, a, re- like vibe- a regression to the mean kind of, right? Well, like- that, yeah. And when the vibes aren't good, you know, the Rockets got off to this amazing start. We know they lost the first two games, but then, or first three games, but then six and three, the vibes have been good. It's very easy for him to buy in on this new model of keeping the shot attempts down, trusting the system. He strikes me as the type of guy that when you go through the challenges that you're ultimately going to go through over 82 games, has a high likelihood of, you know, I don't want to say go back to exactly who he was in Memphis, but perhaps there's still some of those bad habits that may take a little bit longer to kind, fully Kind of like out. the Thanos meme, like grab the glove, fine, I'll do it myself, right? Like that, like yeah, we, it, we saw that a little bit during yeah. some of the Rockets, like offensive struggles or their droughts where, where Dylan starts trying to force things offensively. And you're like, yeah. ah, those are, these are the bad shot attempts. This is the Dylan yeah. Brooks where he's trying to take over a game. And that's just, that's not who he is, unfortunately. Yeah. And I guess the best way I would put it with Dylan It's not as simple as turning a light switch on or off. There's a progression. There's some of these habits that, you know, they are legitimate criticisms that people around the NBA made when the Rockets signed him. Is he going to be willing to take less shots on a worse team? Because, yeah, we know how he ideally should be used, but it comes down a lot of it to just his willingness to embrace that. I think he has thus far because really until the last week, the vibes have been very good and he's been sort of acclimating to a new system. So it's easier for him to make some of those sacrifices what I do wonder is what happens when the team goes through a funk. Is he going to put it on himself to say, hey, I've got to go out there and get this bucket to take this young team and sort of get him over the hump? Not saying he's going to fully regress to Memphis, Dylan. I do think there's some progress that's been made, but I just don't think it's as simple as sort of flipping a light switch. I think it's still going to be sort of a, a demon he has to fight a little bit, and there may be some times that he loses that battle. 
I, I agree with your sentiment there. I think we've been pretty much been more or less on the same page, uh, you know, across boring. the board here. A little, bo- little boring, but I'm also not going to change my opinion just for the sake of, uh, you know, creating a controversy here on the show, Ben. We don't do that here at Lockdown Rockets. Um, all right, our next guy on this list, Steady Freddy, the point guard, the point general for this Houston Rockets team. His playmaking ability. Because this was a thing that a lot of Rockets fans, or sorry, not not a lot of a lot of Raptors fans tried to warn against Fred Van Vliet, saying, "Oh, he's he's selfish. He's a shot chucker. He won't get guys involved. He'll throw other guys under the bus. He doesn't share the basketball. All these different things." Meanwhile, about a quarter of the way into the season, sixteen games, Fred Van Vliet is the fourth leading player in assists per game this NBA season. He is averaging. Where's the assist per game? Oh my God, I lost it. 9.1. 9.1. Thank you for having that off the top of your head. 9.1. Yeah, I did a Fred story earlier. Okay, there yep. we go. Fantastic, right? Great minds think alike. Um, so he's top five in assists per game, and, and his his turnover rate is exceptional. Uh, or his sorry, his assist to turnover rate, I should say, is is incredible, right? He takes great care of the basketball. Real or fake on Fred's playmaking? Yeah, I'm real. I think unlike Dylan, I think when you look at Fred's body of work. And I know there's Raptors fans that might push back a little bit, but I think when you look at the data, when you listen to his interviews, he had a great podcast today with Adrian Wojnarowski, the Woj pod at ESPN. He just seems so comfortable in his own skin. He's also aware of his limitations. Whereas with Dylan, even though he's not a great, you know, half court creator, so to speak, he does have the body to get some separation and fire a step back three. We've seen it at times this year. Whereas Fred knows he's going to be undersized most nights. He seems to be well aware of what his limitations are. And I would just say above all else, Fred seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. He seems to be aware of his strengths and his weaknesses. And the Rockets say what you will, unless things go way off the rails. And at that point, it won't be just Dylan. It'll be any veteran player that's trying to sort of rescue them. As long as the there's some progress and there has been thus far, and I think Fred's going to stick with the blueprint that's gotten them to this point because clearly – uh, there has been growth. They have taken a step forward and why mess up what's working? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more on the Fred front. The, the, again, the playmaking, having, having a, a floor general out there to kind of set the table. And I do think one of the main, the key differences between Fred's play, you know, this year with the Rockets versus last year with the Raptors is I think the Rockets have been able to clearly identify, Hey, we've got Alper and Shingoon, right? And there's a great two man game between Al P and Fred that just never felt like it yeah. kind of, uh, coalesced between Fred and Scotty Barnes, unfortunately, which you would think that that, that, that two man game would have a lot of success as well, but yeah. Al P just being a bit more of an offensive weapon, somebody that you really want to, that can be a go-to weapon offensively, whereas Scotty, maybe a bit more of that ancillary type player, although he's taken a, a significant leap this year. So Maybe it was just a year too soon for Scotty Barnes, but uh, we're enjoying the two-man game between Fred one, and, and Alpi. Yeah. So. One quick addendum I want to throw on there. I will say fake if you're asking, will he stay at 9.1 assists? I Ooh. think that's slightly aggressive simply because as the year progresses, I think you hope that Alperen Shingoon and Jalen Green will take leaps forward in their development. And so there'll be some more on-ball creation reps that come with that. Okay. I think the Rockets are hopeful that Amen Thompson can do some things once he gets back from the ankle injury. So simply because of development within your young core, I do think the assists per game will go down a little bit, but I don't think that it will be because of a decline in his playmaking. It'll just be because the Rockets gradually give a few more reps to the younger guys if they develop. No, that that is actually a fantastic point. And when you look at the all the top assist getters, uh, at least in the top ten, Fred is leading the way in minutes per game by a substantial margin. He's got he's averaging about two yeah. more minutes per night than any of the other guys in the top ten of the assist leaders. Yeah, um, he may be doing what Nick Nurse did in Toronto. There you go. Hey, look, sometimes, and, but I think. He knows it needs to change. Yeah. So, yeah. and look, when Amin Thompson returns, 
Burns. That'll be somebody who right. cuts into there some of go. Fred's minutes. And, and I think that's I'm, that has to have been a conversation that those two have had where it's just like, hey, a min is out. I know you need playmaking you know, play me more minutes early in the, here in the season while I'm still fresh and then I'll get my rest and rec- recovery later in the season when we have all of our available pieces and maybe we can run Cam Whitmore a little bit more, I mean Thompson yep. a little bit more, guys like that to kind of give me a breather, rest me on some back-to-backs, that kind of thing down the line. Yep. Um, all right, we've got a couple more here to round this one out. Let's go with Cam Whitmore okay. carving out a rotation spot this season, real or fake. It's very early on. Do we think he can carve out a rotation spot this season, real or fake? I'm going to say fake, but before anybody hates me, I'm going to say fake <laughs> because I'm an optimist. Okay. And I think if the Rockets both stay healthy and competitive, i.e. if they're hovering around 500 and it's getting late in the year, it's going to be very tough to dramatically change the rotation from what's working. And I do think there's big benefits if this team can actually make a play and push and play relevant basketball into March and April, there are huge developments up and down the roster that even if you have to take, take the L of Cam Whitmore year one, not getting consistent rotation run, then it's worth it because of the big picture. And of course you can give him a rotation role next year and year two. There's plenty of players that, you know, didn't play much as rookies and it hasn't set them back in the grand scheme. So I'm saying fake, because I think the Rockets stay competitive. What I will say is if the Rockets fall off the beaten path, and if by March 1st, they're five, six games out of the play-in mix, and it's becoming increasingly unrealistic, then in that scenario, I do think that you're more likely to see, you know, a shift towards even more reps for rookies or, or young guys you're trying to develop. And so because of that, I think that's the scenario and well, and also injuries, but let's be optimistic. I don't want to assume a bad injury to a core piece, but you know, assuming health, then I think the, the key variable is going to be what the Rockets are doing as a team. And if the Rockets continue to be competitive, which I think they can be, then it's going to be tough for Cam to crack the rotation. I I agree with you there. Again, we're, we're you know two peas in the same pod here. It's just you look at a how Aaron Holiday has come on strong this season. You've got the 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 you know eventual return of a Min Thompson, Fred and Jalen are not they're not going anywhere. They're going to be mainstays. So it's just hard to find you know a spot somewhere in the rotation for Cam where he would be able to get those minutes without squeezing too many minutes from somebody else. Uh, I, also to your point about you know pending health. Um, uh, also, pending any eventual trade, right? If the Rockets sure. make a deal somewhere in the midseason, maybe consolidation feel, move. Yeah, yeah, maybe they feel strongly about Cam, you know, being the guy who absorbs kind of the the Aaron Holiday minutes, if you will, right? The, the short, you know, ten to twelve minutes a night, kind of that that ninth or tenth man off the bench. So that's a possibility, but. I wouldn't bank on it completely at this point, which is frustrating because I do think Cam has a lot that he can offer to this team, but it doesn't really feel like they're at a place where like they need to throw Cam out there because they're just desperate. They, they're they trying to work with what right. they've got right now. They're trying to work through Jalen Green right now, which actually this kind of dovetails perfectly into our our final, uh, well, second to last, real or fake here. Starting lineup stays the same all season, real or fake? Fake simply because there's going to be injuries. But no, no, no. no but I, I, oh, okay, okay. The sa- same logic you used before. Everybody's okay. healthy, no injuries, no missed time. Starting lineup stays the same, real or fake? Real. I don't know who would come out. You don't think there's a chance that one of like Jalen or Jabari might get sat at some point this season? I don't think so. Okay. 
I, and I, I just don't know. I just don't know who. I mean, Jabari. I mean, my God, it's not just the defensive strides. If you look at the season long numbers now, he's shooting about fifty percent from the field, thirty six percent on threes. His true shooting percentage is sixty. I mean, Jabari's he's played so well. He's been awesome. Yeah, it, he, he yeah. It's not even a conversation spot. in my mind anymore. Uh, Jalen, you know, his inconsistencies are real, but who's the alternative? I, I don't think one of the rookies is going to be that ready in year one, and there's no Kevin Porter Jr. anymore. So there's just not really a hedge at this point. I mean, I guess theoretically you could make a big trade at the deadline, but I don't know who that would be. It feels like to me a huge mega trade probably isn't likely in the next offseason. You, you, so you could go all wings and start Tari Eason. You basically guess, then, slot Dylan Brooks at the but two. Then gets really, the yeah, no, but then your spacing gets really clunky. Eh, I, I okay. think the Rockets give Jalen this year to sink or swim. And even if it's bad, whatever, you figure that out in the offseason. I'm okay. going to say real. All right. All right. Real there. Um, I'm inclined to agree with you. Last one. The in-season tournament. Good for the NBA. Real or fake? Good. So real. Real? Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It Give fans a reason to care. I mean, it, everybody knows my rants on Twitter, but, you, you know, I, I hate this. I don't know, just sort of hate watching culture where <laughs> fans look, you know, they watch basically for reasons to tear down yeah. players and teams they don't like. So give fans in other markets, you know, like this, the group B in the West that the Rockets were in is a perfect example of this. It's really a microcosm of what the NBA is trying to do. Denver, the Clippers, Dallas, these are teams with multiple superstars for the season as a whole. They are better teams than the Pelicans and the Rockets. Or I think they are. Now, maybe the Pelicans, if Zion continues to stay healthy and plays at a phenomenal level, maybe there's something there. But, you know, I'll believe it when I see it mm -hmm. with uh, Zion. The point is, expectation-wise, Pelicans and Rockets were at the bottom of that group. And yet, the Rockets had a chance to win up until the finale in Dallas. And the Pelicans actually did win. It's good to give those fans a reason to care. The Nuggets, the Clippers, the Mavs, teams with multiple superstars, they're going to have reasons to care. The Mavs, I, the Mavs, the Nuggets just won the NBA championship, and they're one of the front runners to win it again. So I love just giving more fans a reason to stay connected with NBA basketball. So real for me. I agree with it there. The, the, I, I, I was fully bought in once I started seeing the courts and everything. I got excited by it. And now I'm really excited to see how the in-season tournament okay, so I will plays out. I will disagree there. The courts are fake. Those drive oh, the me courts crazy. Are <laughs> look, yeah. So you know what? Some of the get courts off are my fake. lawn. Some of the courts look good. Some of them not so good. And unfortunately, uh, the Rockets. Yeah, Rockets uh, red. Blood no, red no, court is, is no. It is not it. Give me, give me the dunkster not or give me death because the dunkster yes. court is incredible. We need that is a very real court. So we need and, that one one hundred percent of the time. And Dallas Mavs, what the hell? That is the <laughs> most obvious. That's the most obvious BS I've ever seen. With uh, oh, they you know were missing some parts or they had a logistics delay, whatever they called it in the shipping no you just didn't want to do it you found a creative excuse come on such a mess such a mess all right ben you know the drill. rocket should have gotten the win for free based on dallas there not we having go. The that, court. another real statement on his way out the door ben let everybody know where they can track you down at yep uh ben dubose on twitter slash x the logger line on the same and uh the rockets wire and also rocketswire.usatoday.com for all your daily houston rockets news coverage that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. I'm going to drop the template in the YouTube comments for real or fake and all the topics that we tackled. I want your thoughts on our real or fake topics. Give us your thoughts in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.